It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh, Ported live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 548. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, I have my regular co-host, Matt Lungeth. Today is Wednesday, March 24th. Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, you know, just when you think you might be having a bad day, you read about the MV ever given. Did you happen to catch this? This is the... 1,300 foot long, 200 foot wide, 220,000 ton cargo ship right now that is blocking all of the traffic. This canal, which I think is about 12% of the world's uh, freight. (laughs) So just when you might be thinking you have a bad day, somebody always might have it just a tad bit worse than you do. So a little bit of perspective there. But how are you, sir? How are things out there? How's the weather? And what's the color of the bay? Well, let me tell you, Matt, that's a that's a great starter there. I think we've all looked at servers crashing and, uh, you know, trying to bring things back up and going like, oh, how do we get out of this? And you're, you're facing a 24-hour cycle of, you know, trying to dig yourself out of a hole. Um, they're probably trying to dig that ship out of a hole right now because that's just, that's brutal. That's brutal. I mean, we talk about port blocking, right? But this guy has taken it to an all new level. Oh, we are so punny today. On this show today, I will get to the weather report. On the show today, we are going to be talking uh, to, let's see, Robert. And I'll let Robert do his own last last name. He's a consultant for ITQ in the Netherlands, out of the Netherlands. So, Robert, welcome to the show. Uh, why don't you tell us how you say your last name, and then we'll get to the weather. All right, thanks a lot, Eric. Uh, it's uh, Robert Klosterhuis, and I really don't expect the average uh, English speaker to be able to pronounce it at all. So, um, so there's uh, there's a reason I usually use my nickname, uh, the Fluffy Sizzle. Oh, there you go. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the show. I know it's kind of late out there in the Netherlands, so we appreciate it. And uh, you have a popular article, Tanzu for Beginners, that uh, that you put together. It's one of the, I think you did a video series on it as well, a recording. So we'll talk to you about, you know, what it takes to get Tanzu up and running. But before we do that, let's talk about uh, the the Bay Area, uh, what, the, what the color of the Bay is here. So color of the Bay in, in California, in Palo Alto, the whole Bay Area, it has been 70 and warm and sunny so we're finally getting some nice uh, warm weather it's been a little bit windy so the the bay is a little bit choppy but it is a nice a happy light green with a bit of a chop because of the wind but sunny and bright here in uh, northern california so thanks for asking matt um before we get to the show, let's talk a little bit about the news. We do have to promote the Cloud and Modern Apps event 
that's going to be happening March 31st, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific, uh, APJ April 1st, 1130, and EMEA April 1st, 11. It's going to be a presentation by Raghu, Kate Colbert, and a handful of others. Uh, we've been promoting it. If you're a V-expert, you're bound to have seen our email on it. Uh, it is a pretty good session. Uh, they're going to have examples of, you know, running cloud apps uh, on Kubernetes, vSphere 7. So uh, this show where we're talking about Tanzu for beginners kind of ties into that. And uh, they have some announcements to make. So it should be good um, around uh, how to manage and as well as consume uh, modern applications in the enterprise on VMware products. So it should be a good announcement. I know there is going to be an announcement there. So come check it out. I think it's only going to be an hour and a half. And plus, they're going to have added uh, session content. So again, you can go to VMware.com. Right on the banner is a reg for the event. as uh, Or you can go to VMware.com slash app-cloud-event.html. Go register. Get your friend to register. Come check it out. Um, I, I've been preview to some of the the session content and I think it's pretty interesting and pretty good story I like I like hearing it so it's probably worth your hour and a half to give it go, go listen to that so Matt I think you have some additional news uh, why don't you tell us what's going on along those lines and I'll let Corey go into details with this but if you're one of those V experts out there that are listening along to that cloud uh, and modern app event on the 31st I know Corey is looking for content so if you're blogging vlogging, uh, all things about that event, uh, and you want to have the, those events or that particular content promoted, uh, Corey has details on that as well. And then I just want to briefly mention that tomorrow, so Thursday the 25th, we have the Southwest Regional uh, VMUG Virtual UserCon with Duncan Epping keynoting. So over at vmug.com, you'll see the registration for that. And I'll let Corey pick up on some of those promotions that we're doing around the, the modern app event and uh, the content for V experts. Yeah, absolutely. So I put out a couple of tweets as well as a couple of emails to V experts. Uh, like Matt said, if you're uh, writing blogs, uh, creating content, you know, and, uh, send that information to me. Send me those links. Uh, we want to promote that content. Uh, I've also asked for uh, for blog articles prior to. So if you're Currently writing an article, send that to me as well. Um, any, anything around those topics. Um, if, you, if you're curious what the topics are in a little bit more detail, uh, go read my email and uh, you'll see it and then send that back to me and we'll get that, uh, we'll get that promoted and uh, marketed into our channels. All right. Thanks a lot, Corey. Thanks a lot. All right. With that, now we get to have some fun. Talk to Robert about, uh, you know, Tanzu for beginners. So, Robert, we always start. Tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do in the VMware ecosystem as a whole. Yeah. So, um, so I've been uh, I've been in the industry for about twenty years. Um, uh, I've been um, the last the first ten years of my career I spent doing uh, server desk, uh, Windows sysadmin stuff. And the, uh, the last 10 years, I've been focusing uh, very much on uh, backend infrastructure, like storage, and eventually the, uh, the VMware ecosystem. Um, and I kind of fell in love with, with the VMware products the moment I saw them. Um, I had my, my own little vMotion moment. And, um, uh, and I've, I've, I've tried to touch every single part of, of the whole VMware portfolio if I possibly could. Um, and I've... I've um, I've worked with a, a huge amount of the uh, the different uh, products. Uh, of course, a lot of it around vSphere itself. Um, a few years ago, I saw that the um, 
the kind of the tide towards um, um, where applications being deployed was shifting to what we are now calling uh, the modern application um, uh, management, you know, Docker, Kubernetes, started getting into that. Um, I joined ITQ about a year ago, um, specifically to focus on um, cloud native. And, um, and ITQ has given me the opportunity to work with some amazing customers of ours uh, to do exactly that. So I'm still, I'm still pretty new to, uh, to the whole cloud native uh, ecosystem. Uh, I'm still not very great with Kubernetes hands-on, um, but I like to be broad and I like to have a, a good uh, story to tell our customers and, uh, and give them some help in, in, in what direction to take towards uh, application modernization. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of what's brought me here. All right, and, and so you're experiencing, you know, these customers. Did these customers have a, a solid vSphere environment, and now they're looking at transitioning applications, build new applications? How do you see the introduction, you know, of Kubernetes to what I would call our vSphere ecosystem from a customer perspective? Well, um, yeah. So um, um, our, 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 you know, we specialize in in, in the, the basically the VMware portfolio. Um, so we build our expertise around that. A lot of our customers um, have a long history with um, doing you know, basic uh, vSphere core, um, a lot of VDI, um, uh, the vRealize uh, stack. Um, and, um, and you're seeing two things happening. Um, at the one hand, uh, VMware has made a strategic decision to, to get into the Kubernetes ecosystem in a very, very serious way. Um, so the, the news around that and the direction VMware is taking and all the product announcements around that, they, of course, reach our customers. For some of them, that's the first time they've, they've, they've heard of, of what's going on around, around modern application deployments. And, um, and, then, and then others, uh, the, more, the ones that have internal developers, um, the customers who, um, who are slightly larger and uh, slightly more mature in their, um, in their application uh, ecosystems, they're probably already looking at Kubernetes, um, so they're examining the market, and uh, of course, they already running. They're probably already running VMware products um, in their infrastructure. Um, so then the, um, you know, the the leap to to Tanzu becomes um, something that, that of course immediately gets on the radar, um, and we're seeing a lot of traction there right now um, uh, with the people wanting to do proof of concepts and uh, wanting to really um, get into the weeds to try to try this stuff out. Um, but but on the whole, um, the average uh, kind of vSphere admin uh, among our customer base, um, Kubernetes and, and containers are still pretty far away for most of them. Um, of course, there are you know there are huge vari huge variances, um, but uh, it's still um, most of them are kind of you know heads down doing their their day to day work around you know, vSphere mostly um, and storage and um, and that. A lot of people are unsure what to make of all this 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 Kubernetes stuff. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because if you look at my world, you know where we're running, you know, chorus on you know SaaS services. So I'm running WordPress internally, right? We have a pretty big WordPress uh, stack now, and for all the blogs, I think we have 80 blogs. If you really ask me, I'd be like, well, I don't do application development. We host these apps, we run these apps, we care about systems and their performance, but um, until WordPress goes to you know a modern app, Kubernetes, it, 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 you know architecture uh, it really 
it doesn't impact me, right? I'm still just, I, I care about vSphere, I care about VM performance, I care about page response times, all that kind of stuff. And that it really takes when uh, you have a bigger app, if you're writing your own app, or if we were customizing and doing more development, that's where you get into the ex more exposure to Kubernetes. Yeah, and and besides companies that have internal development starting to to, to, to experiment, play around, even deploy con using containers, um, also um, third-party vendors are now increasingly starting to deliver their software in the form of um, containers, container images, um, and it's interesting the different variations you see. Um, one of the one of the flavors of containerized off-the-shelf software that you see appearing is um, is um, application um, uh, companies um, actually providing an entire spun-up Kubernetes deployment for you in the form of you know three VMs that you need to install. Um, so they've actually done all the work. They've removed um, they've removed the, any kind of dependency. They just bring it back down to the basics, and and they provide a complete Kubernetes deployment in the form of a, a three-way cluster. Um, and then run their application inside that. And you're seeing all kinds of um, um, variants of that. Um, on the inside, many appliances are basically running containers. Uh, Harbor is a great, a great example of that. Uh, if you if you employ deploy it as a as an appliance, um, so so it kind of runs the gamut right now. And um, and then there are there are you know um, companies who are saying, look, you know, the next version of our software is going to be released primarily as as containers. We're gonna we're gonna start making a managed Helm chart. Um, and then they run into the, the, the issue that some of their customers might not have any Kubernetes in place yet. Uh, so this is putting, so this pressure from all these different sides to now really seriously start looking into, into how to do Kubernetes. And the, the interesting thing uh, around um, propositions like Tanzu, uh, they're made to, to remove a lot of the pain of getting started with, with Kubernetes, and they do so successfully. Um, but a lot of these companies that are just getting into containers, they haven't actually experienced that pain yet. So, um, so that can be an interesting conversation. You know, you know, this is a managed Kubernetes deployment. Oh, what's so hard about installing Kubernetes? And I was like, well, you, 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 should, you should try it manually once, and, 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 and then we can talk again. Um, so so, it's, uh, so um, the, if you look like propositions like Tanzu or OpenShift are kind of ahead of the curve for a lot of companies because they, they offer um, a solution to a problem that many companies still need to um, they need to uh, discover the problem in the first place. Um, yeah, and is is that is that problem set really scalability? Is that is that where where they where they come at it and go like you know this architecture scales uh, and so therefore or is it just kind of like everybody's doing it so we might as well be there so that all the systems are compatible? Kind of like when people move from Unix to Windows Server, right? It was be just because there was wasn't that Unix was bad. It was just that there were more Windows Server implementations happening and you you just naturally migrated there because it was going to fit what people were running. Um, so there was that, then there is, you know, some inherent architectural advantage that maybe Kubernetes brings. Yeah, so so the, um, so what, what we're seeing is people want to get started really quickly with Kubernetes. Um, right. they, they don't really know what it's about. They don't know what's involved in getting it running or to manage it, to lifecycle it. Um, of course, things like VC with Tans, you give you a very, very quick way of getting started. Um, but then so does things like like Kind and Minikube, right? Um, so uh, so people are experimenting in all these different ways. Right, okay. uh, once they get beyond that stage, 
um, then, then they start to think a bit like, okay, how are we going to build an application around this? Now, for the more mature companies, they they probably can already see that there's a um, there's a bit of a life cycle challenge around these new stacks. These stacks are pretty complicated. Um, Kubernetes itself is pretty complicated if you if you've never seen something like that. But to get Kubernetes actually running in production, you need a lot of stuff around it, and to manage that whole stack together, that's a bit of a challenge, especially if you're not used to to running complicated, um, say, a platform as a service stacks or container as a service stacks before. So, so that's the pain I'm talking about, right? And that's where um, where once so first you have to kind of explain to people, well, this is the stuff you're going to run into once you want to start to manage lifecycle, monitor, update, upgrade these stacks. And um, but we've already got you covered because here are the ways to mitigate that pain. Um, and um, and I mean, among our customers, we're all over the place in that journey. Some of them, right. some of them, we've gone through that. Um, some are, you know, many are right at the beginning of that. Okay, Matt, uh, we'll transition to Kubernetes for beginners. But before we do that, do you have anything, uh, anything you want to ask the fluffy sysop? Maybe not. Maybe Matt. Uh, maybe maybe Matt's lagged. Can't really tell. Maybe I'm lagged. We just lost audio there for a second, I believe, and Robert's rejoining us, perhaps. Um, I'm still here, and I could hear Eric. Yes. Okay. okay. So okay. there we I, go. I, okay. So so Matt, I just uh, thought I would transition to Kubernetes for beginners, but before I did that, I, I thought I'd throw it to you and see if you had any any questions for Robert. So Robert made some great points there about how we're now in some instances where these organizations are looking at above, we can deploy it, but how are we going to do day two operations? How are we going to manage the life cycle of this? And then where are we going to do the actual management of, or where are these deployments um, out? Are they on premises? Are they on a, a cloud provider? And or is it, is it true native? It's, I think it's it, not only is it about so much the day two operations, but then it's under that same consistent platform that we have within vSphere. So regardless of where that workload's at, again, on premises at a cloud, major cloud provider or with a partner, it's all under that familiar control plane. But let's bring this full circle a little bit here, Robert. How, when you're having these initial conversations that, you know, with a development shop or, or the, these particular IT firms, and they have devs that are out there, and we need Kubernetes. We need we need Kubernetes, and the, the traditional uh, vSphere admins and, and that whole entire you know infrastructure team goes, well, I guess we need Kubernetes. How do you introduce them, right? How, how do you introduce them? How do you train them up? How do you, do you play that that consultant training wing? to bring about the traditional infrastructure admins over to this new um, interface and this new deployment model. So, so ITQ has been in this game for a while. Um, before Tanzu even existed, we, um, we've been big fans of the Pivotal, um, of the Pivotal ecosystem. So, um, so we, we have customers where we've done implementations of Pivotal Cloud Foundry and uh, later PKS, what now called TKGI. And, um, I, I'm personally quite a big fan of Pivotal's approach around exactly this. Um, 
Pivotal had had a, had a, had a part had a, um, an organization called Pivotal Labs. Now Tanzu called Tanzu Labs, I believe. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on the terminology. It's a set of services that they offer where they will do an intensive um, training with um, with engineers of the customer to train them up over a long period of time, several months, very intensive, uh, with a pair programming and a completely agile way of working um, to, to get them onboarded uh, as quickly as possible um, across these very complicated stacks, which consist of many different tools that, that some of these engineers have never seen before. And they, they teach them the fundamentals of things like GitOps, uh, which is something again, lots of vSphere admins, you know, won't have have, have dealt with that before. Um, what I found is that um, that is the right approach um, uh, within the VMware ecosystem. We're kind of used to sending people to you know courses for a week. Um, the, the thing, the thing is though, is that these stacks are, are so complicated and they consist of so many moving parts. And to get them successfully integrated into your into your business, so you get real value out of them, requires going, um, you know, doing a hell of a lot more. It, it also requires you to change your way of thinking. It's more That's it, right there. It's, a, it's, it's a more a, yeah, it's a more developer-minded way of thinking about how to run infrastructure. Uh, infrastructure as code is a huge part of this. You introduce concepts like pipelining, um, which goes a little bit more beyond scripting. Um, right. and then and, and whatnot, if you really want exactly, to take it yeah, to the next yeah. level. Yeah, because that's the way you manage these platforms, whether it's 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 Cloud Foundry or Tanzu. Um, uh, that's the way you get reproducibility. That's the way you get consistency in deployment. And that's the way you, you manage the you know, the life cycle. Now, I have to say that depending on which flavor of, of, of TKG, of, of Tanzu Kubernetes grid you implement, um, the amount of work that's that's already done for you by the platform kind of differs, and we can get to that difference in a minute. Um, so, so for, you know, vSphere, vSphere with Tanzu already um, automates a hell of a lot of the the life cycle around it. So, in in, the, in that case, I would have to do less pipelining myself, right? Um, but if I were to implement um, um, uh, what is now called uh, Tanzu Application Services, the, the, the rebranded name for what used to be Pivotal Cloud Foundry, or actually Pivotal Application Services, I should say, um, that to get to manage that environment, you still need a lot of customization around that uh, to get the real value out of it. So, so you have to introduce all these new skill sets, and sending people on a training for a week uh, is not going to cut it in many cases. Um, and besides the the, the upskill that you need amongst uh, engineers. Um, of course, the whole way these platforms are used is very different from a business perspective, from a from a from a code management perspective, than what you are used to with uh, with VMs. So you also need a cultural change within kind of not just you know your IT department, but but the entire way you approach these platforms has to be different. The uh, the principles around things like availability and stuff like that are very different than what we're used to. With, um, with with VMs in vSphere. Um, so it can be enormously challenging. And, um, but I think, um, I think customers, you know, companies need to, need to keep in mind that to make really efficient use of these new technologies, the, the value you can get out of them is huge, but it's a real commitment. You, you need to invest, uh, especially in skills and in people um, to, uh, to, get, to, to get the most out of these platforms. I think that's a, that's a great explanation.
it's so much more above and beyond the technology itself. I mean, it's an operational mindset, a change from the, the C-level executives down about what, what this means for the delivery of application services. It's, it's truly, when we say modern application delivery, it, it's a fundamental change in the approach to the delivery of services to the customers of the org, whether that's internal or external. And to have that proper adoption, it, it needs to come from the top down. And, and a, it sounds like a, a long runway. Have you found that in, in your deployments that the operators that are out there that see a little bit more and experience, let's say, the pain of doing some of those uh, deployments rather than having everything stood up and ready to go, appreciate a little bit more or maybe a little bit more competent operators? Yes, I think that to, um, I think um, to, to, once you get used to these, this, these kinds of tools, this way of working, it makes you more competent, right? It's really, it is really going to skill you up, right? You're going to start, you're going to start thinking about, about configuration in terms of code. You're going to start thinking uh, in code in terms of how do I manage that code? And you say, so you have to start thinking about Git. All these things kind of follow logically. Um, so you, you start adopting, um, uh, you're almost, you're almost kind of forced to, but, but it, it, it's kind of, it makes sense to start adopting all of these, uh, new little skill sets along the way that are all complementary to each other. Um, you know, if you learn how to use Git, then, then, then suddenly pipelining becomes more manageable, especially if you're in, if you're in a team. Um, if you learn to pipeline, then suddenly the, the scripting stuff becomes more fun because you can start stringing things together and getting more more work done in a more consistent manner. So it becomes it, it becomes very powerful very quickly. And all the while you're learning, because for a lot of people this is this is uh, this is new. Um, what I've seen is that the the, the most successful uh, what we call platform teams, you know, teams managing these kinds of platforms. Um, they are very passionate uh, um, engineers, uh, and they're very much uh, turned on in that learning mode because they're going to have to have a lot to learn uh, if they're coming from a, a, an infrastructure background. But the same is true for developers, right? Um, uh, these these teams, you know, you could say they're 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 kind of an example of a DevOps kind of way of working. So you need broad skill sets, not just infrastructure. You know, uh, especially on the on the on the on the top end, if you add uh, software like 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 Cloud Foundry, like like Tensor Application Services on the top end, um, having developer-oriented skill sets, people coming from that world, um, and having an interest in in the layers below it, it's extremely powerful. You need you need a good mix of those skill sets uh, to get the most out of these out of these stacks. And the same is true for Kubernetes um, in itself. A lot of the you know, Kubernetes is is made to make the life of developers easier. So a lot of the concepts and a lot of the the, the methodology comes from the, the developer and from the open source world. Um, so it helps very much if, if, you, if you start working on these platforms with people already with already one foot in that world. Um, and, then you, and then you combine the best of both. And that, that's the recipe for, for success around these, around these platforms. So okay. that's the 30,000 foot view, right? We've talked about the organizational change. We've, we've talked about um, the mentality that it takes. Okay. We want to highlight here is is your session that's coming up, right? So uh, we should, that, that we have on on 
April, I believe, April the 9th at 10 a.m. Pacific that is out there on uh, VMware Code. And Eric, do you want to speak a little bit to that and what's that? those particular events or this series of events? Yeah, so uh, which is part of the reason why Robert is here. Um, he has an upcoming session. I think it's Tanzu for beginners, uh, and you know we do code sessions, power sessions throughout the year. Uh, you can join VMware Code. You can go to code.vmware.com and join and we send emails of events that we're running, sessions we're running. We try to run a power session on code topics, infrastructure as code, or just scripting, PowerShell, all these type of topics. Uh, every couple of weeks, we try to run one. They're live streams. You can go check them out. So uh, Robert, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Tanzu for Beginners? Yeah, so uh, Tanzu for Beginners, which we uh, had a slightly different title for before we got a bit careful around branding, um, is um, it came out of some of these conversations I've been having with customers. Um, it was it was a way for me. Basically, I started using PowerPoint to just write down my thoughts to 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 organize. Um, it started with just the brand names. Um, there, the the Tanzu portfolio contains such a huge amount of frankly confusing names. A lot of overlap. Um, um, and um, it, it, basically, VMware rebranded everything. Everything's now called Tanzu. Um, even things that are very different are all called Tanzu. Um, so, so I found myself in very confusing conversations with customers trying to explain, well, no, no, this is this bit, and this is that bit rebranded. And uh, so that's how it started. Um, but, um, but I started incorporating all these other topics that I, I keep running into. Um, for example, um, People are used to VMware being um, basically um, a, a proprietary kind of closed source deal. You know, the, the software you, you bought from VMware was, was built, you know, programmed, delivered, packaged by VMware, sold to you against, you know, licensing costs. And, um, and it's basically, you know, it does magic. It does very powerful magic. Um, um, but it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not open source. You know, it, you can't really see what's going on. Um, VMware is now shifting to a model where a huge amount of, especially the Tanzu portfolio, is based on open source projects. Now, I was already kind of familiar with that concept because Pivotal was operated in this way. But for VMware, it's actually quite new. And what's interesting to see is that even VMware internally is still trying to find its way uh, in how to deal with the fact that a huge amount of their technology stack is based on these open source projects. It leads to all kinds of interesting effects. For the average um, uh, vSphere administrator, this is a completely new, bold new world. Um, uh, you know, it's still, Tanzu is still a commercial offering, which means you have the advantage of being able to go to VMware and get support on, on this stack, which is validated and which is, you know, which is integrated by VMware for you. That's what makes it a managed Kubernetes proposition, right? Um, but it's still based on all these open source projects. So if you really want to dig into the weeds, you now have this entirely new avenue of opportunity to get to the actual open source projects that are behind many of these technologies. Um, and uh, it's, you, know, you, can, you can actually do a lot of what the VMware toolset does um, outside of Tanzu by, by, stick, by pasting all this stuff together yourself. But that's the whole point, right? Do you want to actually build all this stuff yourself? Or would you rather have someone build an opinionated stack that does all this stuff for you? 
this is a, a bit of a cultural question. It's a philosophical question. Um, you know, if you have a very powerful DevOps team, you can build it. You know, can build it all yourself, or you can get one of these managed Kubernetes propositions. Um, this, the fact that it's based on this open source software and that it creates all these different effects, has um, is 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 um, it, we've noticed it can be challenging for VMware to get used to this itself, and challenging for VMware's customers. Um, so I've I found I had to explain something about that dynamic, and I had to explain something about the open source ecosystem and about the CNCF, for example, um, the, um, the, the, the Cloud Native Computer Foundation, because, um, because a lot of the development that VMware does relies on stuff coming out of those open source projects. So the release cadence of Kubernetes, um, the, the, when we, when, when we, in Tanzania, we talk about things like conformance Kubernetes. What does that mean? These are, this is terminology that most, um, um, uh, most, uh, uh, IT um, admins are probably unfamiliar with if they come from an infrastructure world. So, so the presentation I put together was basically trying to explain some of the fundamental concepts around um, around how VMware is approaching building a proposition based on on largely open source tools, and then but adding commercial, closed source, special source to make it even more powerful, um, and. Uh, and and how those two things balance out when you start using the product. Nice. There's always something to be said for that commercial support, right? With with yeah. With with what's more of a you know a, an enterprise as we had talked about with uh, Kenny Coleman last week, that the enterprise releases and then the support to go with it. We can always put the nuts and bolts together on our own, but someone else that can to put the resources of an entire organization like the size of VMware behind it to validate those particular nuts and bolts together and then support behind that there's all obviously a tremendous value there for enterprise yeah and you can't know everything yourself as these stacks get more complicated especially if we start to add ancillary services to these stacks to support application architectures um, we can't, you know, a, a, a platform team that specializes around delivering Kubernetes, delivering maybe uh, Tensor application services, um, it, it might not be possible to also be an admin around MySQL and RabbitMQ and Postgres and Redis. Um, yet these, these application components are often needed um, as part of um, a modern kind of ap application architectures. Um, what what we're what we're seeing is, is an interesting mix where some development teams will simply um, manage that stuff themselves and build it into their application deployments. But what we're also seeing a lot of, and this is where the challenge is, is that they're expecting IT, you know, the platform teams that are already managing Kubernetes and Tanzu application services, to also provide these ancillary services as part of what the, the, the service the platform provides, and there it becomes a skill set. Challenge, because uh, again, yeah, how many how many different tools, how many different open source projects can you be an expert in? So, so there that that becomes an extremely good reason to go down the commercial offering path. Um, more opinionated, but better supported. It gives you a backstop because um, you're going to run into stuff that you're not going to be able to figure out yourself unless you really dive into the, the you know the open source project um, yourself. Um, but you know, there, there is, of course, always the time constraint, right? 
Yeah, I, I can imagine the, this whole job description, right, where the complexity gives you more functionality. But as a traditional IT admin, I didn't really have to worry about so many of these pieces, right? Like I just I installed vSphere, I ran vSphere, I had to make sure I had storage, I had to make sure I had network connectivity. But now you're getting into a much tighter integration to the application itself, right? And, and all of a sudden your job workload goes up and maybe we can enable you to climb up into that space by giving you a, a package solution that sits on your existing infrastructure. But there's still a lot of work that uh, an IT admin is going to have to, uh, you know, go through to 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 just learn all the components. And I guess the question is, will IT teams expand? Right? Will will that roles expand? Will that be something that stays over with a developer? How do we see those workloads being managed? Yeah, I I think IT teams will need to expand. Now, the there's an interesting argument to be made there. It's like, well, hold on shouldn't we be getting more stuff done with the same amount of people? Well, you are, but you still need to skill up. Um, I think on balance, the, the potential of these platforms um, to, to completely um, you know, uh, change and, and, and upgrade the way you deploy code, the way you write software, the way you iterate on the software, the value add of, of successfully using these platforms is gonna outweigh the, the extra skill sets you're going to need to onboard in your IT teams. But on the whole, I do think, considering the complexity of these stacks, IT teams will need to grow a bit. Um, and, and what we often recommend customers is that they start something we call a platform team, a dedicated team, DevOpsy team, uh, to specifically run um, these stacks, which sit right in the middle between developers who you know might not want to do any of this stuff and traditional infrastructure. But what we also see is that um, you, can't, you can't do islands. You also have to continuously talk to each other because aligning all the different parts of the stack is super, super important. Um, you know, you have to have a, on a continuously ongoing conversation with all developers to make sure that how you're managing and deploying the, the Kubernetes or the, or the, or the, or the task stack um, fits their needs. But at the same time, you have to align with infra to make sure that um, the underlying resources um, are aligned. And, and if you look at something like the way Kubernetes uses uh, persistent volumes um, in vSAN, um, making sure that there's alignment in, in, in between the different parties involved in just storage, uh, I haven't even spoken about networking, um, it's super important that people don't you know, get, get out of that, um, that closed silo thinking and start uh, working together. So you want, you want, you know, uh, there's always going to be specialization. So you're going to have something like a platform team, but also everyone has to start mixing up generally um, in order to make make these things uh, successful. Yeah, it, it does. You know, I always think of accountability when it comes to this as well, right? Because you know, as you expand the number of pieces that are integrated, you have to deal with you know who's accountable for what component. And to me, Tanzu actually helps that problem a little bit because instead of needing a platform solution and then a Kubernetes solution and then your applications team building their solution, you actually have the platform and the Kubernetes pieces all integrated so that you know you have one place to go to if you have issues through those two pieces of the stack. Yeah, and, and it's very interesting to see even how VMware um, has different options here. So, so vSphere with Tanzu is an example where 
where the emphasis is placed on enabling current vSphere admins to very quickly get started with Tanzu Kubernetes Grid clusters, right? It integrates Tanzu Kubernetes Grid, which is a kind of a separate thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a you know, separate technology, but it integrates it, it wraps it up into an extremely easy to use deployment model, which uses, uh, you know, um, vSphere native pods for the management components, and then allows you to, to spit out either on the command line or in the UI, new Kubernetes clusters on demand in the vSphere interface, right? The interface that everyone's familiar with. But then you also have Tanzu Kubernetes Grid standalone, which is more loosely coupled from the EAS it's on. And it's also able to run on, on, um, on Azure um, and on um, AWS, I believe. And, um, and that gives you exactly the same Kubernetes cluster lifecycle management, but it's slightly more loosely coupled. So even, even there, VMware is giving us choices which direction to go. They've built a, a great fundamental technology called TKG, but then they, they offer it in different ways as well to, 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 so you can mix and match which, uh, which part of your IT organization is better suited to actually get started um, with that technology. Right. So getting back to your course, it's a, we'll just do the, the check boxes of uh, your session. Uh, what are you tackling in your session? Uh, could you give us just a, the index card of the highlights of the, what you're gonna cover? Yeah, so, so start with just the basic Tanzu story. You know, where did it come from? Why has VMware invested so much in containers and Kubernetes? Um, then I talk, as I said, I talk a little bit about the relationship between open source and commercial software and um, the investment VMware has been doing there. Um, and, um, and then I basically kind of lay out the Tanzu portfolio as it exists today. And I'm constantly, like every few weeks, I'm updating my slides, right? Because there's so much going on. Um, and um, I, I, I've, I think I've managed to capture the entire portfolio in one slide, more or less, uh, which is, um, is not easy. Um, but I probably won't be able to because uh, it's it's still growing. Um, well, actually, what's happening is that is that VMware is is still swapping parts, right? They're they're as they're figuring out how to 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 do a managed Kubernetes offering. They're also optimizing a lot. So um, so in previous versions, uh, you know, a certain open source project might have been used for something like you know authentication or ingress, and they're swapping it out with with something better. Um, uh, so the slide, so my slide deck changes every few months based on the the latest um, 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 a bill of materials that uh, that uh, Tanzu actually consists of. Um, uh, remember that VMware, has, has to build this proposition, has acquired a whole bunch of companies the last few years, and they're still acquiring it. Right? You saw Mesh Seven just a few days ago. Right. Um, so to so of course integrating these products takes time, um, and that also you know tends to make things shift. Um, uh, but what, what you're seeing is this trend where it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, and it's, it's becoming, um, it's, it's still maturing. Um, uh, and it's, uh, but it, it's already extremely, extremely, extremely powerful. I, I lay out the, the portfolio as I know it, and then I go into some detail about the different flavors of managed Kubernetes that are currently being offered. I, I already discussed the two versions of of Tanzu Kubernetes Grid that exist, vSphere with Tanzu, and then TKG in and of itself. And I reference, you know, where 
these different bits came from, right? We bring it back to what is project Pacific again then, right? This is stuff that some vSphere uh, administrators remember hearing about two years ago because there was a lot of noise around that. Um, but that term has gone away, right? But that's still what people remember. So I try to bring it back to, to the, the stuff that, that they might have picked up in the last two years. And that's of course challenging because VMware tends to, to, to change the branding and the naming of things uh, every, every few months. Um, so, uh, so that's what the slide deck is, is, is a like guide um, in the Tanzu portfolio. And then we dig into some details, right? What is the difference between vSphere with Tanzu versus standalone TKG, sometimes referred to as TKGM? Um, and then of course, there's still TKGI, what's that then? Right, well, that's the, the, previous, the previous managed Kubernetes that came along with the Pivotal acquisition, which is still an extremely powerful and very stable and very reliable base to also do Kubernetes on. So I talk a little bit about that as well. Um, so it's basically, you know, <laughs> here's, here's the whole roadmap. We zoom in on TKG and we start picking apart some of this terminology, some of this branding, and we lay it out. And, um, and then we end up with Tanzu additions, right? Uh, we, we, know, we, know, we know that VMware likes to package their products in suites, um, easier to sell. Um, we know that you know, the vRealize suites, uh, the different uh, additions that vSphere is packaged in, Enterprise, Enterprise Plus. They've done the same with Tanzu. So, um, so I go into a bit of uh, detail there. What are the differences between some of these Tanzu additions? Which components do you get in which version under which circumstances? Because, you know, depending if you have NSXT or not, things change. Um, so, um, so I help explain how all these differences work together. And, um, and like I said, I try to keep the slide deck up to date all the time. So every time I do this talk, it should be the latest representation of where we are right now. Um, yeah, some I, some sometimes uh, people cringe at how much we repackage thing and rename things, and that they were always shifting some things. But and on one hand, I, I go like how marketing. Uh, you know, I live in marketing, but it's like they they're always they're renaming things, changing things, rebundling things. But at the same time, VMware is one of the most nimble companies I've ever worked with, right? And you don't see uh, VMware running into the problem that some Microsoft has or SGI, where they they were too slow, right? And they weren't willing to stay current. And big companies, it, it's it's a lot of work to stay nimble and stay current. But if you're a big company, a small company that's just jumping into a market, they don't have to rename anything. They just, you know, they just build something and there it is. They got one or two products and, and they're very current. Where what I like about VMware from that perspective is that we are willing to rename things. We are willing to throw things out to, to change what is the current product strategy based on, and we're not afraid to get into areas that are changing, right? Okay. That are changing fast. We're willing to jump in and try to lead it as well. But that does on the back end mean that, you know, every year or so we might be changing what's in offerings, what their names are and how they're put together because in these edge edge type industries, that's what you have to do to compete. But it does protect, you know, VMware's ecosystem because we are doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you, you can't, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're, Going to be a big, you know, container ship. It, it might be, it might be hard to, to turn around and not get get stuck somewhere. Um, I stole that from the chat. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it, I, I'm I'm very impressed by um, by the willingness of VMware to to switch strategies and to um, embrace very boldly kind of kind of things that are not in their wheelhouse traditionally. 
Right. Um, all right. Uh, uh, three, four years ago, a few, a lot, you know, um, a lot less people had heard about Kubernetes. Um, and remember, VMware was was experimenting with doing managed containers. You know, back remember Photon Platform. Sure. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. so, so this is, you know, so there's there's um, it's 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 wonderful to see how innovative they are, and then to see some of the decisions recently made within the MapBU around the Tanzu portfolio. You know, bold bold decisions, um, which impress me. Um, and uh, yeah, it's exactly what you say. Not every company um, is. Um, dares to be as nimble as this. But remember, there, of course, there are also um, downsides, as we've seen maybe in some of the marketing and the messaging around Tanzu can get confusing for customers. Um, but on the balance, you know, um, uh, I think I would rather I would rather have innovation um, and, 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 and being backed by a company that can keep up with that innovation. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And which, then once, which is exactly yeah. what makes me a VMware fanboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and once VMware gets its act together and and the and things do solidify we do we do pretty good at then packaging it up and, and enabling it and allowing you to purchase it and uh, and even some of the announcements we're going to have on the 30th which we're encouraging people to go sign up for is about that is about you know the ability to you know uh, purchase it and acquire it without a lot of work right because and and getting it making it available. Uh, so we'll be making some good announcements there. So I got to give VMware credit for being in this space and being nimble. That's that's what I say here, right? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then and guys, it gives me, gives yeah. me about a week to update my slide deck. <laughs> exactly. Um, but then guys like you that are actually on the edge learning it, you know, that's the other thing I'm always impressed with the, the VMware ecosystem. As soon as we enable something like this, it's kind of like, you know, if you work for a stale company after a while, you get bored, right? Like if everything just stays the same year after year after year, you're you're also looking for something to do that's more innovative and cutting edge. And VMware enables that as well, right? I mean, that's the fun thing about being in this space is that we don't walk away from it. We And that allows everybody to have something new to work on, right? Even though it might not be part of your day job yet. So I want to come back to your, for beginners. So you're covering all of that. Do you recommend in your session how to get started if you haven't built out anything yet? Um, yeah, well, I, I, I do I do end up with some some links at the end of my slide deck. Um, um, these are resources that, that may have been mentioned here before. Things like, um, like Hands-On Labs is obviously a, a fantastic place to start, especially if you like learning while doing it, right? Hands-on experience. Um, and, and I just like to remind people that the hands-on lab, you know, you can do anything you want with those environments, right? You don't need to follow the, the lab material. If you if you want to just quickly get started, you know, messing around with um, with Kubernetes, like you know, you know, just the other day I was I was trying out some some load balancer stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, where do I have a Kubernetes environment lying around with N60? Oh, I know. Um, yeah, so so it's 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 very um, very powerful tool set, um, and I hope people are aware that they have entire environments for every single VMware product just lying around, ready to mess up, play with, break. You know, um, it's it's fantastic. Um, um, VMware has, has put a lot of effort the last uh, the last year or so into educational resources around Kubernetes and around uh, around Tanzu. Um, and um, there's 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 actually there's there's more that people there's more out there than people realize. I mean, there's obviously Cube Academy, um, 
which is a you know a great a great video learning uh, starting you know resource to start with. But then there's also things like um, like uh, Tanzu uh, the Tanzu Developer Center uh, Central. Um, hold on, let me find the right term so I get it right. Um, uh, where um, that's more oriented towards you know. DevOpsy people, or maybe de developers, right. but it's um, oh, the VMware Tanzu Developer Center. Right. Um, some fantastic resources on there, like yeah. video stuff, um, courses, uh, example code. Um, right. uh, they've got three different CI/CD tools on there with examples on how to use them. Um, yeah, yeah there so, was. So, I I was in a VMware code coaches meeting yesterday and somebody, one of the code coaches said that, that we also spun up a thing called educates, which is like a platform yes. that gives you Kubernetes instances that you can then deploy into your own Kubernetes environment that creates you a lab that you can go do on your own uh, infrastructure as well. Yeah. And I've never, I've never even heard of that. And I was in the same session yesterday and, and I'd never even heard of it. And it was, it was incredible. And then another thing that was mentioned yesterday as well is the, the spring one conference. So, so again, this is a part of a part of a VMware's ecosystem that many people are not aware of. Um, uh, when Pivotal was originally spun out of VMware, it was around this, the Java spring ecosystem. And that's where tools like Cloud Foundry came from originally. Right, um, as a way to facilitate uh, pushing of code around, you know, basically enabling developers. Um, now, Pivotal's been, you know, brought back into VMware, um, but the Spring ecosystem and everything around that still exists. So the Spring One conference, um, I attended it last time. There was a whole track um, squarely aimed at exactly at us, at at the at the the, the infrastructure admin who's who's busy in the middle of upskilling. And trying to get a grasp on on how to do some of this modern app stuff. Um, so I'd also very much recommend the Spring Community and the Spring One Conference to uh, to anyone listening to this as another great great resource um, um, and a great uh, fount of of information. And then and then geez, the, the amount of video content that's coming out of the Tanzu community on YouTube is just absolutely stunning. Um, uh, uh, t t uh, what was the What's that? The, the, the thing, Tuesday, the, that the, weekly. Yeah, weekly Tuesday. I forget what they call it, but it's a a Tuesday. Yeah. If you Google Tuesday and Kubernetes VMware, you'll get it right where they yeah. the, the, the Tanzu team comes in and just takes a topic and runs weekly every every week, kind of like the community podcast is doing. They just do them routinely. I don't know how good they are, but what I've learned is if you just keep doing everything weekly, you get to it. You get you you get to the topics that people want to hear about. Yeah, so there's actually an overwhelming amount of educational material out there just out of the VMware ecosystem, you know, let alone everyone else that's currently doing it. Um, so all you all you need is is the uh, the interest and the will and um, and some time, uh, which can be a challenge, uh, something I struggle with. Um, uh, to uh, but but all the stuff is there and. Um, yeah, yeah, we're getting in a, it's, it's, in a really great, great place educational-wise yeah. around the VMware stuff. You can Google Tanzu Tuesdays, right, and uh, you'll, yeah. you'll go. Yeah, go that's available. That. Looks like off the VMware Tanzu YouTube channel, and right. it right. is a live Twitch stream every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Yeah, they're twitching. Yeah, nice. All right. Well, we're coming up. We have been live for 55 minutes uh, with Robert. So, um, Matt, have any other questions you want to hit Robert with before we we wrap up and ask him what he's going to be doing this year and how to follow him, et cetera? Well, I will go right to that. So uh, if our listeners are interested, Robert, in following you, how are you out there on socials and what's the best way to get a hold of you? 
Um, I think um, that the primary way is uh, Twitter. I'm the uh, the fluffy sysop on Twitter. I also have a blog, the fluffy admin.net, but I don't blog very often. Um, so, uh, but I, I if I if I'm doing something hands-on, I run into something that a problem that has it's ungoogleable. I, I tend to make a blog post, but it's not. I don't I don't blog as much as I'd like to. Um, but yeah, Twitter's Twitter's the main one. All right, and let's get a a quick thirty or sixty second overview of that handle. Why the fluffy sifts up? Oh, I don't know. It just it, it just stuck. I can can't even remember how that got started. Um, Certainly unique, a great one out there. The it's uh, quite quite memorable. Yeah, yeah. There's it's a story. It's supposed he just, to be memorable. He just doesn't want to tell us what it is, right? Truth be told, you like you like teddy bears or something. Well, you know, we'll go there. Uh, yeah, maybe one day over a beer. Uh, so you're, uh, yeah, exactly. So you're busy. You're doing sessions. You're doing VMware Code session. VMware Code coach. Uh, you're Tanzu. You're, you're doing that. You do your day job um, with. What is it? T. What's your company again? ITQ. Yeah, there you go. ITQ. So, any any major plans next year or this year? I guess as we go into 2021. Yeah. What is what is your whole goal of accomplishing something this year? Well, I do I do like speaking at events, and of course that's been a bit hard the last the last 12 months or so. So I'm really really hoping that we can get this COVID thing behind us and. Um, I really missed VMworld uh, last year. Um, it, it's just not the same online, uh, as, as hard as everyone tries. Um, you know, I really miss the in-person thing. I mean, I go there to network um, most of all, um, and that's it's, it's just been a tough year. Um, so, um, um, I'll, uh, as I said, I keep iterating on my on my Tanzu for beginners. Uh, uh, but um, there are some other ideas in the pipeline. Um, I, don't have the energy I wish I had to to do a lot of presentations and to do, to build a lot of decks. Um, so um, I do. I certainly hope to get into the weeds around um, vSphere with with Tanzu um, soon, and that will probably result in some blog posts and um, and maybe some inspiration for a uh, maybe another code session, maybe for um, for, uh, for the, um, the big code conference that's yeah. going to come up. Yeah, yeah, we are planning the Code Connect. Looks like it's going to be a two-day event again this year. Uh, looks like we're going to have more coding sessions. So, uh, looking forward to that. Plus, uh, maybe some tracks that uh, that, that go. So, uh, looking forward to that. So, uh, Robert, thanks a lot. Uh, Closter House, I guess maybe something. Very like good. That. Yeah. yeah, we'll go with that one. Thanks for being here. Uh, really enjoy the conversation. We're trying to lead into the thirtieth uh, March third. 30th event. Uh, please go register and uh, help our numbers. We're always looking for our, uh, our community ecosystem to, to drive awareness. And if you have somebody that's interested in the topics of modern applications and you want to hear Raghu, uh, you know, come talk about where we're going with some of this stuff in our product announcements and Kit Colbert and uh, the founder of Kubernetes. I forget his name. It's not Joe Beta. It's the other one. Um, Craig McClucky. 
Greg McClucky will be there doing the event as well. Come do that. And uh, as we follow up, Robert, thanks a lot. We will take us to the V Barbecue Report because it is nearly lunchtime here in California. Uh, so I, I think we'll ask Tony Foster to come in here. Tony Foster, thanks for everybody listening to the very end. With that, we will give you a V Barbecue Report. So Tony Foster, what do you say about barbecue? I am. No, it helps if you're unmuted. There you go. Of course it is. Uh, so the good word is steelhead trout. Um, Ooh. I fixed that. Yeah, it turned out absolutely wonderful. I uh, fixed that this uh, last Monday. Uh, the so, best steelhead trout I've had in a long so time. So I, I know if some people take the trout, wrap it in tinfoil, put butter in there, do whatever. How do you barbecue a, a piece of trout? So I did mine just bare skin on the grill. Bare skin. Um, All right. Yeah. yeah. Just take it out, plop it right on the grill. Um, how much and time and what temperature? How do you know when your fish is done? So I was running um, about 350 temperature wise on the grill. Skin side, I did it just a touch longer than I should have. Um, about five minutes is what I did on the skin side. Then I flipped it um, on the uh, flip side. It was about three minutes and um, temperature gauge. Of course, you can also watch um, the skin and you'll actually, or not the skin, but uh, the, the flesh yeah. of the fish. Mm -hmm. And you'll actually uh, see white goo start uh, oozing up and that'll let you know that you've got a pretty good cook on yeah. it. You're, you're good. Any kind of seasoning or you just go, go native. So um, we did this one with uh, umami seasoning from uh, Trader Joe's, nice. and it was just absolutely phenomenal. Very good. Very good. That sounds good. That's a unique one. I haven't done that one in a while. I have been eating fish. Want to get those omega-3 acids in your uh, – omega-3 uh, – what do we call them? Not fats? Uh, fats. They're omega fatty fats. oil. Yeah, fatty oil in your system. Really good for longevity. So want to do a couple pieces of fish every week if you can. So don't always just V-barbecue the, uh, the the big piece of steak and some chicken. Got to get some fish fish in there as well. So that's good. I did, uh, I did some steaks, just, you know, the classic thick piece of steak. I did learn a little hard lesson on that where they were, they came out of the freezer and we didn't quite thaw them. And so, you know, it was fine if you like medium rare, you know, because you get the, you get blackened on the outside, no problem. The, the temperature said 144, 145 when you stick it in there. But let me tell you, when you have little frozen bits in there, that'll make it kind of medium rare deep in the, deep in the middle. Uh, so uh, note to self, make sure your meat is completely thawed before you do that. Put salt on, lots of salt. Don't pepper it until you're almost done with the grill because the peppercorns will will char and burn. So did that. And that's my report. All right. We're at the top of the hour. A real quick uh, shout out to Tony as well, that there was an announcement that was made last week that he is uh, a 2021 member, I believe a continuing member of the NVIDIA vGPU Community Advisor Program. So congratulations to, to Tony on that designation. Oh, thank you, Matt. Thank you. So what do you what do you do? Just you just do Bitcoin all the time? That's what that's that's what that's what the vGPUs are are used for now, right? You're trying to get a few um, more fractions of a Bitcoin. I, I guess if you wanted to do that, you could, but it's not the most efficient uh, use of a, a GPU. Um, no, I'm. 
I do a lot of stuff around VDI by day, compute by night. So VDI and HPC and AI and all those things in the virtual environment and getting the most out of uh, the GPU cards that you have in your environment. Congrats. Congrats for Thank that. You. Good job. All right. With that, we're going to end. Everybody have a good piece of barbecue, and we will be back here again next week. Until then, I apologize for the laggy video on my screen. If you happen to be watching on the V Barbecue channel, and uh, you can give us a like and a follow. Talk to you guys later. Thank you, Robert. Really appreciate it. And I'm hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.